I mean, the fact he hates it makes me think it's the best thing ever. That's it. This is brutal power, wrapped in an elegant machine. Welcome back, darling. Kingston Town can't win. He got checked, the champ. It's going to get desperate. But a champion becomes a legend. From, 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 the card leave in the ball. Gay dollars months ago. Here he comes. Boom, right over the top. But out the bush, it is 15 lands clear. She'll have to pogo stick over the field to win from there. Strike me, pinky thread at the eye of the needle. Can he stay? Huh? Head stayed all closing time. This could be set up for something special. Cassidy has to pull the whip. It's coming again. Don't stick. He lands and he wins. That's in the final furlong. It's PJ McDonald on pile driver. A two of freelance leader. Torpedo Tasso is in second. Behind those mischief in third. They have 110 yards to go. Pile driver. This will be a famous victory if he can do it. Pile driver and PJ McDonald have won the King George. That was the closing stages of the King George. Sorry we couldn't get the call you wanted blanks, but still an impressive performance nonetheless. Yeah, it was. It was um it was a strange race. It was a strange race to watch. Just six of them. And it somehow turned into what looked a, a bit of a pace melt and, yeah, the, the sectional I've, I've seen so far, I haven't poured right over them, but the sectionals I've seen so far says, yep, they um, cooked they, it. They poured it on and, yeah, the overall time against, I saw some suggestion at the time was a, a poor one against historical King George's and I think there was an expectation that the ground because of the weather over there would be really quick. In fact, I half thought that myself. Mm. Um, but, no, against the time was actually a really good one against that card and the ground was probably on the easy side of good to firm as opposed to really quick. So, um, yeah, a, a real staying performance, if you like, in the arc winner. To quarter, to quite a Dasso runs runs second there. So um, it's interesting. It's not a um, it's not a strong piece of form for a King George. I think I was looking at it. In fact, I'm looking at it as we speak. Um, and I would have him rated just above Highland Reel and postponed, but but obviously on the low side of... Of historical averages, about 127, so which is still high. It's still very well. So 127 is very elegant in the yeah. Melbourne Cup, but it is an interesting race to rate because you've only got six. Emily Upjohn tanks; she just never got into it, never got anywhere near him. Uh, Westover had a bee in his bonnet, overdid it. Clearly not on. They're almost they're not completely, but they're almost completely irrelevant mm. data points. And Mishrif stands in the barriers and so and probably the way things develop for him, A, he gives away four lengths at the start, standing still, but but then it really turned into a, a battle of stamina and that's not his go, probably. So a large portion of the race is <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> it sort of turns out to be a uh, well, I've got one horse running a rating higher than they've run in the past, or you know, to quote a tasso five I've got him rated hundred and twenty seven off the arc, but five pounds below that here. And that's the closest you've got to any other horse running to their best. So you've got one horse running to their best. So the the sort of measure that we do of uncertainty is sort of 10x mm. where you'd like it to be. So it's um it's a bit of a 127, but I don't know. And it's funny because it falls into the exact same category as the other mile and a half group one in England this year, which was the coronation at Epsom, which was, again, hook and 127, but it's such a tentative 127. It's the best fit, but it's... um. Yeah, it's a little bit suspect. It's sort of it's one twenty seven. It could be there. You could support it being higher than that mathematically, um, but it just looks a little bit funny. 
Well, pile driver won't go anywhere and be favoured off it, will he? No, I think he. I think they said he's going straight into the arc. So the answer to that is no. <laughs> Correct. Um, so yeah, no, that's. But he's still so globally. Baid and Nature Strip have got the two best performances this year to date. Mm. Baid with that underwhelming win. Well, the form's just yeah. been poor out of it, really. Yeah, that's right. A uh, a third group winner from nine plus lengths behind Baid there on on Saturday night as well with Sir Busker going to York and winning. So that's third, fourth, fifth. All distanced, all spread-eagled across the Ascot straight by Baid have all come out and won good group races since, um, despite that being underwhelming form. <laughs> uh, it was and has been the performance of the year so far. But then you've got sort of title holder, state of rest, Hookham and pile driver. But, of course, their 127s come with a good deal less certainty and I'd be far less confident about them running to that number in the future whereas a horse like title holder runs at 127 and it's um it's 127 and gee I'd be surprised if it's not even a bit better better mm. so um the other interesting thing I suppose is that Hookham and Bile Driver both came out of the Shima Classic in Dubai um which was won by Shariar running to 125 and they've come out and run one they're both now rated 127 so some people would look at that and go well you're an idiot mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm or or rate to buy higher. Yeah, but then you can, yeah, then the, there are other problems with that. It becomes mathematically less likely. From a punning perspective, pile driver at his next start. What number are you running him off? Uh, I probably wouldn't back him to run to 127 again. 127 will have him in the frame in the arc, and I I couldn't imagine. No, I shouldn't say I couldn't imagine him being in the... That's not what I'm... Yeah. Cancel that sentence. <laughs> um, I wouldn't back him... Put it this way, you wouldn't take odds on about it. No. So I think he's less likely to run to that than than not. But, of course, betting on him will be will be price dependent. He's um. He's in the game there, though. Title holder is, is obviously going and hopefully the Desert Crown, unfortunately, we didn't see on Saturday and he's not going to York and now it's sort it's of... It's all a bit yuck, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a, that's a concern. So... um. And Westover obviously did himself a mischief there on, on Saturday night and ran a poor one. And his Irish Derby rating was a bit like Pile Driver. It was the time supported it without going crazy. But it seemed to be overvalued. Well, it's easy to say now, isn't it? Overvalued in the betting on Saturday. But it seemed to be overvalued in general punditry as well, his performance in Ireland, I thought. Um, and it came with a, a good whack of uncertainty as well, a bit like Pile Driver here. And he was nowhere near backing it up. But he was um, too bad to be true, really. He was better than that. Yeah. I would have thought. But, yeah, a, a strange race for, for six runners and, and very little to lean on. So um, a strange race to assess as well. And they did speed figure calculators a massive disservice by removing the mile-and-a-half handicap from this card. I was used to run the King George and then they'd run a handicap over the same course, 20 horses, and you'd get a... Get an idea. Yeah, it would be a really important sort of point of reference for the the clock but no mile and a half handicap so we're pretty much you know, we've got to compare i mean we can do that but again just adds probably a, a little layer of um uncertainty that you didn't want did not want do not want more uncertainty the biggest flop of the week comes at home it does yeah well you would have thought that it was um in the king george like emily because we could have easily thrown that up mm. emily up john and 
Westover. Westover, but they were only was it eighteen and well, em, Emily Upjohn's not even that far off her form. <laughs> she had so much. I mean, she's 12, 13 pounds. I've got her running below. Yeah, her Oaks run, um, which the market said she's a lot better than, but yet to prove it. Um, so as I just fold on through here, ah, oh, it's Pashiro. And you'll have something to say about this. Toshiro runs pretty well first up, and I think most expected him to improve second up. He's got a couple of nice big ratings in there. And I think he actually ran into some dead ends, Pashiro. But at the same time, he's run 29 pounds below his form and run last in a race where he was top of the market. Or maybe not by the time they jumped, Sandy Prince was pretty firm. But, um, yeah, by the um, by a distance to your peak and throw in a little twist of um, market expectation and finish position. Pashiro is a... Um, the flop of the week. The winner of the flop of the week for your favourite stable. Yeah. <laughs> There's few stables out there that I would rather back off a flop than a peak and they're at the top of the list. So we want to back Pashiro next start. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah. Definitely. The Colin Morikawa this week... Taking it offshore again. Taking oh, it on, offshore. We didn't take it offshore. Perth is still on these shores, technically. <laughs> now we're going offshore. Heading overseas to Singapore. Blake Shin's riding there at the moment. No surprise to see him boot home a few winners and will continue to do so. But Vlad Jurek, former king of Singapore, and I would say still king, he's gone back for a short stint, a month. Only had four rides on Sunday, which unusual. But he's flushed nearly all of them. So prioritise in race two is the one he didn't get right. But Blake Shin pulled their pants down in front. Like Blake Shin was a massive markup and he's letting one. So if you're behind Blake Shin in the second race, you were no chance. Yeah. But then races one, three and five, 0. 0.01, 0.02, 0. 0.00. He's run four, fifth, fourth and fourth. He knows his way around Grangy. <laughs> he does. And all those horses, gold cut online quarterback, couldn't have been ridden any better and were unable to fill the frame. So He just needs Blake to go home. He does. <laughs> so Blake is coming home. I've been mucking around with jockey ratings actually. Do you know the last 10 years in that little power rankings thing that we've been working on, yep. only J-Mac in the last 10 years has been more effective than Blake Sheen in group races in Australia. Is that right? Mm. And another fun fact looking at the last 10 years. Is that just results or with market? No, no no market, just results. Just results, yeah. 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 And uh, this was interesting. So J-Mac this year will be the best. He will win yep. on that score, which seems obvious, a- right? As you would expect. So it's the first time he's finished a season on top. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's been close. I think Bowman knocked him off once, maybe twice. That Winks? Winks yeah, Bowman? Yeah, he had... I think the only jockeys, and this was the other positive for Black Shin, is that in that sort of the last decade, only two jockeys have finished the season with a sort of more dominant ranking, if you like, than J-Mac at the moment. And J-Mac's even been a little bit higher than where he is at this exact point in time. But that was um, Bowman at the absolute peak of Winks, yep. which makes sense because, you know, he was fantastic outside of Winks. Yeah. But then she's just putting the cherry on top and making, you know, he's routing a dozen group races a year. Straight off the top. And then Blake Shin back in 2014. So back then he was riding, I had a quick look, and it was sort of the season where he had first seal streamer appearance. Yeah. Something that's 
skipping my memory at this point in time, but he had that that season. Blake Sheen was that good. So we, I, I mean, he's sort of been away for a little while now, and things. We probably forget how. I know we've in this office always considered him the king of the big ride. Mm. He's sort of he's capable of like he nearly beat Wings with Happy Clapper. He nearly did it with Humidor. He's sort of he's done a bit of that in Hong Kong as well. Like the big occasion, he can he can ride a big a big race if you like. He can he can sort of you know do that sort of thing. But he single handedly got Pariah to stud. <laughs> Pariah owns his entire stud career to him, so he can he can pull off a big moment, Blake. But um. Yeah, when you pour over those last ten years, he's actually um, even more successful than than I would have thought. So that he's coming home is massive. Massive. He is a, a proper A grader, and in Singapore, that means he's going to uh, be riding absolute rings around them. No disrespect to the riders in Singapore, but it's a penalty kick after Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. No, no Zach and no Zach and Joe. Yeah, yeah. So I assume is he getting? How long is he there for? And is he getting choice rides? I think it's a short stint. Yeah. Should we be um, flicking over to Sky Two on Saturday afternoon? I would be. Uh, <laughs> I would be paying attention to who Blake Shinny's riding over there for sure, yeah. especially if it's a switch. Yeah, no, he's Blake on would be a big plus at the moment. Yeah, he's got to be having a positive impact yep. for sure because he does everywhere he goes. I mean, we even saw it in Hong Kong. Even when he was riding, um, you know, you just you just get the dregs, don't you, away from Zach and Joe? But you could even see him doing everything he could on the dregs. Well, it's so hard to be successful in Hong Kong as a heavyweight rider because you already cut your book in half yeah. and then Zach's going to get the ones at the top most of the time and then if not Joe. So then you're getting your your piece of the pie gets smaller and smaller every time. So for him, to the success he had was remarkable really, I think. And then coming back to Sydney, very interesting to see where he slots in, who he rides for. Is he coming to Sydney or Melbourne? Uh, I just assume Sydney because it's better, and he obviously rode there. It's better. Last. Sydney's better. Everyone knows that. Goose. <laughs> the riding ranks in Sydney are better than Melbourne. It's not even close. Ah, uh, it's actually it's very close. You reckon? Oh, not, I've, I've, I've been, been watching been Jamie Carr the last few weeks. I would argue very much different. We move on to the Taylor Pendrith. <laughs> we do. We do. Speaking of, uh, not in Sydney. They're all too good in Sydney. No, oh. ba- no bad rides in Sydney on Saturday. No. Or in Perth. Um, it was, oh, I, I hate to do this. Go on. <laughs> it was Linda Meach on Unusual Culture. No, Linda. Oh, I hate it. Oh, but that's an also, asterisk. I know, but I can also say. God, that must hurt. I want honourable mention though. Yeah, yeah, fair. Because we, we took the Morikawa offshore. We did. But um, Rolls ran sixth in the staying race, but Linda was on and. Gave that an absolute gem. Got the absolute best out of Rolls. No, no, Rolls no. ran to 92. Rolls can't run an inch better than 92. So even though he ran sixth, absolutely brilliant from Linda. Now they've got that out of the way. Yeah, no sucking up. Come on. Absolute stink by one unusual guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, had to be two instructions. Drew Wide did not participate. Left with far too much to do in a race where they finished fast and she finished fastest. So unusual culture is... um. And what is unusual culture runs into the low 80s here, but unusual culture's in the mid-90s in, in New Zealand in just three starts. So she got there pretty quickly and, and obviously switched straight to um, Kieran Maher and David Eustace because she's talented and they've obviously got bigger plans than an off-season handicap here. Mm. Um, and, yeah, she's on track for bigger plans than an off-season handicap here, but she can start by winning one of these. And, and to do that, she could just be given a slightly more efficient ride. And by slightly, I mean 
Very much so. <laughs> um, I think she was about as good as the winner here. And she's on track to run much, much better than this next time. So Black book. Yeah, she could probably um, – you could probably press the Bruce button there and she could just be that as well. But while we're uh, laying the boots into the Melbourne jockey ranks in general and Jamie Carr, yep. she did ride the other candidate. The last race was won by Hit a Shock and the time was really slow but the track was almost certainly deteriorating by this point. In mm-hmm. fact, it certainly was. Um, but it wasn't helped by a muddling tempo to the, to the last race. A bit of a surprise given the, the makeup of the field, a competitive handicap and – 15 of them. It does happen on sometimes testing like ground that. They've all, yeah. Um, but Mayfair Spirit, who did nothing first up, um, finished best here, other than maybe Designer Chef back at the finishing 12th, but don't remember that. Uh, Mayfair Spirit was Jamie Carr, left with too much to do, but did finish well and was probably, that was the run he probably needed to set him straight. I mean, he's no superstar, he's a six-year-old gelding, but he's probably a little bit of a... Um, Coming winner, yeah. Well, he's a both a Pendrith candidate for for Jamie, which whew, that would have been would that be two weeks in a row? Two weeks in a row. Oh, she's lucky that Linda left that <laughs> unusual culture with plenty to do. Um, so she misses that. But um, honourable Taylor Pendrith mention, and also honourable probably follow that into a similar handicap somewhere mention. It's got a um, you'd love to see it just drop out to a Sandown midweeker, please. That'd be nice. Yeah. Get ready. It's time for Around the Grounds. A much shortened version this week. Two's out of Boring Saturday. Yeah, Sydney, Sydney off, was... Um, and then Belmont off. Was it True Crime was the uh, Around the Grounds fastest speed figure in Sydney? <laughs> Good winner too. Uh, no nomination from Perth. King of Sparta was the best time in Melbourne, but in a sense it was the worst time. The okay. best of times that it was the worst of times. He's a 112, 113 rated horse, King of Sparta, and beating a, another 113 rated horse in Scolopini, they should... You know, very off-season meeting at, at Caulfield, they should be running the fastest time of the day and they were barely the fastest time of the day. In fact, other than the last race, and as I said, the the track was starting to give way by then and perhaps it was, in, in fact, it definitely was for King of Sparta as well, but he is not a lot faster than Throntari 40 minutes before and she's um, she's mid-90s and, and no better than that. So just to explain the best and worst of times, so he's ran the raw fastest time He's but, run a faster but time you would than ex- all the... Yeah. You'd expect him to run faster than that. Yeah, because all the other winners on the day were pretty much... I think I'm just going off the top of my head, but I think all the other winners of the day are rated in the 90s somewhere, and he's rated 113. So he should be running a lot 20 pounds faster than all the other horses. He runs two pounds faster mm. than Throntari. So he's embarrassed so himself, but he's won. The time figure is 97. The form's a bit better than that, and as I said, the track is probably slowing, but they weren't particularly fast late either. Like it was a, a true enough tempo, every chance for them to run better figures. And it's if it wasn't for the spread of margins being a bit more genuine, you'd throw it in the same bucket as the Monash, which two weeks ago we said the Monash was a surprisingly horrible time and mm. without any real pace excuse. Maybe there was a stoppy starty, you know, messy pace of some description, but not obvious. And, well, we saw that form sat right on its backside. Um, one, two, three came from elsewhere. Mm. So... Um, Again, there must be a, a question mark on this form. I think most people would have that question mark, though, wouldn't they? I mean, King of Sparta is um, he's done a good job when he won at the Magic Millions, but every time he's raced pretty much, every time he's dipped his toe into a deeper pool, he's kind of got, got it kicked off. Oh, yeah. And I think that will, even though this is a, a good win and, and good on you, I think that will continue to happen. But I did say that they're talking about being pretty gentle with him and then going back to the closed shop of the Magic Millions, and I think that's probably a pretty smart play. Yeah. 
good. Season. Oh, he's good, but he's not. Yeah. Like he wins a group three here, but he's not a group three winner about to go and win a group two and a group one. No, he's not going to be spring relevant. No, I wouldn't think so. Not in real. When we're talking, we're talking group ones, not as in he can't win a handicap somewhere. But We have a shallow pool. Hang on, I've got a little list here. Because I was actually thinking, I'm like, where does he sit? Because I don't know what actually... It's always interesting when you go, oh, you know, he's nowhere near them. And then you think, who are these horses that we mentioned that he's nowhere near? But there is... um, So who's rated around him? Ranch hand, no. Standout, no. Sort of state, no. Prince of Boom, a little bit worse than Lombardo and Overpass. And then you're up into the in the Congos and things. But he's below them. September run, Elite Streeter couple of lengths to the good of him and mm. more reliable at that level than him. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's a group three horse winning in group three, I suppose. But he's... um Needs to find a few. Yeah. I, th- I was sort of half thinking that maybe there isn't that many horses in that cluster, like that many sprinters in that cluster, but there is a fairly good chunk of them that'll all be around, you would imagine. So, yeah, no, he's, he's doing the right thing to go to the Gold Coast and duck the group races, I would think. I figure we keep going around the grounds up to there while we build to the oh, yeah, metric course. mile. And yeah, well, they ran the big – so our horse – So there is a market out, you know. Oh, who's favourite? Uh, I think it's playoffs. Okay. Who's rated 94. So you can get 10 bucks about gone by. It didn't run on the weekend, did it? No. And the tar raced the track variant was exactly the same. How good. One week on, so you can trust the tar. Trust the tar. Time's on the tar. New segment. We need to get a little interest. <laughs> Uh, but Living the Dream ran 93. Combi is rated 90. Yeah. Um, and the time was a little bit slower. There was even a, a common thread there. There was a one of the a horse called Data Set won the mile on both – won a different mile on both cards as well. So there's a nice little – and both were efficiently run. So, you know, a good look at that and good comparison of times. So we said Gombi will step up off that uh, card-topping speed figure last week. Yeah. He will have to. This is shaping a Sundown Cup. Living the dream has won a Kalgoorlie Cup. Mm. Yeah, it's not a bad horse. Job for next week. Find if there's ever been a Kalgoorlie Darwin Cup double. What is the record of, I mean, is oh, it one for one now? Jeez, I, I don't Where know. did it run prior? But we'll find out. Mm. We might have to do a full Darwin Cup preview. Well, gee, we might have to. And playoffs is, is bang there as well, but I don't think he's, I wouldn't mind back and gone by to leapfrog him. Well, in the handicap, he's going to be down the bottom, isn't he? No, oh, of course. Oh, well, I don't know. Well, who is the... Well, I Who's sh- running the show up in Darwin? Who is the chief handicapper in Darwin? I'm assuming if he's running the handicap, then he's rated lower, and then they're the weight for agey types, I'm guessing, so they're going to be the top of the weights. So we're going to be rated the same, but we're going to get the bull in the weights. The weight for agey types. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he might not run, and you're right, he might duck the Darwin Cup and go the Underwood. <laughs> Doesn't want to carry the weight. <laughs> Keep rolling. Puntara was the, um, not a bad horse actually, Fastest speed figure in Brisbane on heavy ground. Former Kiwi. Took a while. Came across rated 93. Looked no better than that for a handful of runs and has gone 101, 105 last two starts. And a fast 105, beating Easy Far, who's a nice horse. Easy Far is a nice horse. Yeah. yeah. With a, and they're in a race of their own away from third back. So that's, um, I think Easy Far, I was looking at it before, Easy Far is um, just classic Waller and desperate to win one and will find one. Um. And this is a beautiful little platform race, I would say, of the good times. Yeah, I think Puntara gets the uh, speed figure nod, but Easy Far gets the um, – you're bumped into one there and you'll find easier races to win than that. It's been bumped into a few this whole prep. Has it? Yeah. yeah I've been waiting for it. <laughs> I did have a look and it did look um, 
at very much that Waller profile. Mm. Mm. Yeah. People won't miss it, but it'll um but she won't miss either. Uh Knightstown eighty nine in Adelaide rounds us out. But Adelaide actually top speed figure in Adelaide actually came in short of the top speed figure in Darwin. So Ooh. no group Tough horses times. in Adelaide. No way for AG types. No. That is just so exciting. Where are we heading? Oh, I thought you were doing this. No, this was yours. Um, you looked over your computer at me and said, I've got one for Bruce this week. I got all excited. What is oh, it? What did I? Uh, yeah, so last Sunday, we head on out to Shanti. Beautiful. And they ran the pre-Chloe, which is a group three for fillies, and historically speaking, it hasn't thrown up any particularly interesting winners for a while, but time figure klaxon. It went off. And uh, Tariana, Aga Khan colours. Spell it. Oh, yeah, Black Bookers. Free Black Bookers. T-A-R-I-Y-A-N-A. Tariana. Uh, see the stars filly from one of those deep Aga Khan families under the care of Francis-Henri Graffard. Certainly not the best filly in his yard. He's got very elegant over there. Um, but she won the pre-Chloe, like a really good one, and the time is terrific. So um, I don't think she'd be flying under the radar exactly, but what I think she, I think we'll get a good bet out of her because I think they'll pitch her right up. I mean, she's she's in the game for one reason, and that's to get an attractive page. And my guess is that she will probably maybe the Romanée at, at Deauville pre-opera, like Group One. I think she'll go straight to Group One now, and she'll be third or fourth line of betting, I would have thought in those because I don't know on face value that this looks like great form. As I said, the history of the pre-Chloe's meh. But the, I've got the time figures well over 105, I think closer to 110, and she did it really well. So, um, And she'd been, she was really good in the pre-Deanne before that without a lot of luck. Drew out. Just didn't work for her. So she's a real talent. And, yeah, I think she, she'll, she'll be a bet somewhere for sure. Perfect. That wraps us up for this week. We'll be back with the punters preamble and then Blanks is having a holiday for two weeks. So the podcast might as well. Thanks, guys.